Can We Fix Healthcare? This is Dr. Larry Caskell, host of the Business of Medicine on ReachMD XM157. I was recently at the Society for Innovative Medical Practice Design in Las Vegas, Nevada, and had a chance to sit down with some of the keynote speakers, and let's listen in and see what happened. I'm sitting here with Dr. Marcy zwelling Amit, who is a respected member of the California medical community and a prominent voice in the crusade to improve the broken healthcare system. In 2004, Dr. Amit dramatically reduced the size of her practice, adopting the concierge medicine model in order to provide a higher level of access and attention to a smaller number of patients. Doctor, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. All right, so I guess the big question is, in your mind, is the current healthcare system, which is obviously broken, fixable, and if so... What's your solution? Ah, do you have 10 years to talk? (laughs) First of all, everything is fixable as long as there's a mind and a will. And so, yes, it's fixable. It's fixable because physicians want to be able to do their business and our patients need our help. So I think we have to, first of all, address some of the definitions in healthcare, And that has been one of the places that I think the first reforms need to be made. At least we're all talking the same language. All right, so let's start with the basics. What is the business of medicine. The business of medicine is doctors taking care of patients, pure and simple. And the problem with today's medical care, among many, is that doctors have not been able to really work for their patients. If they do so, it's very indirectly. There's usually an insurance company to interfere, a government to interfere, someone to tell us what we're supposed to be doing for our patients, when our job is to listen to our patients' needs, address their needs, and as I tell my patients, give them a better day. So in a direct model, which is what I sell, and is one answer, to healthcare. There are many, but among the things that we need to settle is that physicians work for their patients. And quite frankly, you don't need to be in my model to do that. You can be a Kaiser doctor, you can be any kind of an HMO doctor. You need to go to your office knowing that you have your patients first and foremost in your mind. You need to address their needs first. And once that is settled, then we can talk about a little bit of the business of medicine. So who are most physicians working for currently? In my opinion, the design of medicine today, the paradigm is a financially driven model that is more about the business of medicine, the government regulations of medicine, and the insurer. Many of my patients call me up and ask me a question, and given my current practice design, I can answer their question. I don't have to charge them. They don't need to sit on a freeway for three hours to come and see me. But in the current model, Because most physicians can only make a living if they physically see a patient. Patients are wasting time on freeways. The cost of gas is going up and up because the demand is going up and up. They're wasting time waiting in our offices just so we can answer a question. So we're also destroying our planet with our current health care. There you go. We need to be green. But the point is, is that we need to have the money follow the care rather than the care follow the money. So when we talk about reform, we need to talk about transparency. We need to talk about legitimately what we can sell our patients. We need to listen to what they need to buy. And then we need to sell it to them as directly as we possibly can to meet their needs. I often have a discussion with friends, family members who can't understand why when they call their doctor, the doctor won't do something for them over the phone. And I usually say, 
Call your lawyer and see if he'll write a will for you over the phone for free. Call your electrician, see if he'll rewire your house. Call your plumber. So it's what you just said that really we have to see them in our office and no other trade or profession provides as much care for free. That's right. You know, physicians are the safety net of medicine. And I'll say that a zillion times if you want me to so that your audience understands that. But I think we know that intuitively. We talk about safety net hospitals and we talk about the government being there and all that is hogwash. It is the physicians that are the safety net of healthcare. It is our ethical practices and principles that maintain the system. Everybody knows that. Medicare knows that in our hearts we're not going to say no to Mrs. Smith when she calls us and she needs our help, whether we've been paid or not, whether we can feed our own families or not, we put our principles first. Those principles are driving us into the ground. They're giving us a headache and they've imprisoned us to sometimes make not the best decisions because these systems govern our decisions. And I think that they've driven us to be very unhappy, which doesn't make a better doctor. Was there a time Or do we all kind of glorify this past golden era of medicine that none of us really participated in, but yet we think the doctors 30 years ago were so happy? Do we have proof that they were so happy 30 years ago? I think they were happier. I'm an old person, so I was practicing back in the late 70s and early 80s when I actually designed my practice to work for my patients. I worked five days a week. On Wednesdays, I didn't go to the office until 2 in the afternoon, and I stayed until 8 at night. People thought I was crazy, but I said, well, when do you want to see your patients? Do you want to really take them out of work every day? Who do you want to be your patient? I want patients who work for a living. Therefore, I will make myself available in the evening at least once a week. People thought I was nuts, but, of course, Wednesday evenings filled up first. That was your first hint. I wasn't unhappy about that because I had designed my practice to do what I needed to do. When I look at my bank account and when I look at my practice management system from the early 90s and I remind myself of what I had been paid back then, that makes me pretty unhappy mm-hmm. because my prices and my fee schedule or my payment schedule rather for Medicare and from the insurers has been cut to such a degree that now I can't take Monday morning off, Wednesday morning off or any morning off. I was working, before I decided to transition my practice, five days a week at least, and when I saw my last patient at 12.15 a.m. one day, my patients waited for me until 12.15 a.m. to see me. I said, this is ridiculous. I've lost sight of what I'm doing. I wasn't making any more money. I was making far less money. I was barely making a living. I was working my tail off. But in order to get done when I needed to get done, I needed to just work harder and harder. And there came a point when I couldn't do that anymore. So yes, there was a time, I think. Were doctors happy? I can't answer for them. But I can tell you there was a time when I felt I had the time to do a good job. I was doing a good job. And I also had time to feed my family. When that went away, I decided I needed to create a system where I could once again recapture my life and you know do my job better. Marcy, you've talked about or compared modern health care to a current zoo. Can you elaborate on that? Sure, I'd love to. I make a lot of analogies in my practice because I like to have a visual in my mind. So I envision the healthcare marketplace as a zoo where 
everyone's been let out of their cage. The insurers are running around, the government is running around, they're all getting into my business, and quite frankly, physicians are getting into their business. Physicians have taken on a capitated marketplace in some practices, and quite frankly, we're not insurers. That's taking on risk. We never learned to do that. That wasn't what we were taught to do, and that is not practicing medicine. So when we got in their cage, and they got in our cage, and Believe it or not, insurers do practice medicine in spite of the law that they're not supposed to. They tell you what you can do, what's covered, and let's be honest, if it's not covered, patients can't do it. You know, Medicare, for instance, is really one of three single-payer systems in the world, the others being Canada outside of Quebec, where doctors can't practice private medicine, and the third being North Korea. That's pretty damn scary. But in fact, that's what's happened. And when the government intrudes upon my opportunity to tell my patient what is best for them, they're in my cage. Now, patients and doctors and insurers and the government are all trying to like find their way through this zoo and we're just beating up on one another. I tell my patients that it's kind of like just holding your breath, running through the zoo and hoping you don't get eaten by a bear. But the administrative costs that are involved in really trying to just meander your way through the system, find out what you can get, how you can get it, what it costs, it's ridiculous. That's the cost of healthcare. That's what needs to be reformed. We need to directly work for our patients and everybody needs to get back in their cage. I should be a doctor because that's what I'm trained to do. I don't work for the government and I don't know anything about insurance, although admittedly I probably know a lot more than my colleagues, but I'm not an insurer. I don't want to be. That's not my job. I wasn't trained and that is not what is on my door. It says Marcy Welling MD. It doesn't say Marcy Welling Insurance Agent. And I think that if we all got back in our cage, doctors included, and I'm, I'm happy to announce that I stand up for that principle, that you do what you are assigned to do, I think that the practice of medicine would be wonderful, I think doctors would be happier, and I think the cost of care would be remarkably diminished and absolutely affordable. I've heard you talk in your lectures about the conflicts that are created when humans start using machines and toys in their offices. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. I don't pretend to be anything but human. I love toys, I love to make money, I love to buy clothes. Anybody who knows me knows that. So I think that it's important for us as humans, doctors are human too, to admit that if they have just purchased a $50,000 machine and someone to run that machine, they've got to pay for it. So when Mrs. Smith comes in, and well, she can have this test or she can have that test, let's be honest, we're inclined to order the test we've got in our office. And all my colleagues that tell me that they only order the test when it's necessary, that's bull. Not because they're lying to me. I, I really don't think that they're actively going out they're, and ordering they're tests. They're not self-aware. They're just not self-aware. And they're not willing to admit to that humanness. Now, I'm not Pete Stark, and I don't go into this whole thing about you can't, but I think that at some point, we need to appreciate the fact that we are human and that we cannot allow the care to follow the money. The money has to always follow the care. And what happens, and I think the reason that doctors are having to buy more and more toys, is because we can't make money being doctors. Right. Being doctors is an intellectual experience. When I did my thesis at Wellesley College in 1975, I've just given away my age, and by the way, I came after Hillary. That said, I talked about the hospitals being the capital playground for physicians. And indeed, the hospitals purchase all this capital, and we go and we play. 
We don't charge the hospital. They don't charge us. Everybody's happy. We get to admit patients, and we get to charge for taking care of patients. They provide the nursing care. They provide the x-ray machines. And we get to be paid for our intellectual capital. That's what we are as physicians. Surgeons are, have procedural capital. They have skills. But I didn't go to medical school to learn how to buy a machine. That said, of course, it's America. It's a capitalistic country. I love it, and indeed, I want everybody to be able to run a business. But I think we have to be honest. One of the major reasons that we invest in all of these toys is because we can't make money doing our job. If we made money doing our job, most of these machines could be owned by you know, third-party players, and everybody would be happy, and things would be a lot less expensive. On that note, Marcy Zwelling Ahmed, thank you very much for talking to us today. It is my pleasure. Thank you for having me. I'm Dr. Larry Caskell, and you've been listening to the Business of Medicine on the Clinician's Roundtable. If you'd like to comment or listen to any of our library of podcasts, please visit our website at reachmd.com. Once there, if you register with the promo code radio, we will give you six months free of streaming ReachMD. You can listen to day or night. And thanks for listening.